sinner, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? And what Christian has not felt the same discouragement over their sin, even after conversion? So whether it's sin prior to conversion that haunts us, or it's the besetting sins after coming to Christ that linger, the Apostle Paul shared our experience. And so I ask you, do the words of Newton, do the words of Paul resonate with you? I am a great sinner, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Have you felt this? But Newton did not end with these words, and thankfully neither does Paul. But the apostle goes on to write chapter 8, and he begins this chapter with the following. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In these words, we hear the pastoral heart of Paul. For he is intent to comfort his readers, to bring them consolation. Paul is all too familiar with the weariness and discouragement of his own sinfulness, and he knows that any genuine Christian deals with the same. And so in the midst of this rich and heady theological treatise, Paul writes words of unspeakable comfort to a weary soul. He intends for his readers, he intends for you, for me, to draw comfort and consolation from these words. But what's more, not only do we see the heart of the apostle in these words, we see the very heart of God. Beloved, every word of scripture is God-breathed. And so Romans 8.1 is not merely God's, or I should say, not merely Paul's words, but God's words. And in these words, we see that God intends to console his people. The tender, compassionate heart of God is on display. He set out, sets out to comfort you with these words. And how can you not be drawn to a heavenly father who shows such understanding toward his children? God is not baffled nor surprised by your discouragement over sin. He wants you to know that he understands. I love the words of Psalm 103, 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Take heart, beloved. Your maker knows your weakness, and he offers you his strength. But I also want us to see the rock-solid foundation that Paul's theology is built on here. I want you to see it because God wants you to see it. That's why he preserved it in the text. And I want you to see it so that sometime in the future, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month, when the devil accuses you, when your conscience condemns you, you will have a foundation that will not be shaken. So this is really practical. This is not for the head only. This is for the heart. So let's look at Romans 8, 1 again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear those words? No condemnation. Christian, you have been set free. This is glorious, and dare I say, almost too good to be true. This morning, Brad called the grace of God toward guilty sinners scandalous. The fact that we, sinners through and through, are free from condemnation is scandalous and almost too good to be true. Almost. And this serves as our first and primary point. In Christ, you are free from condemnation. Now note what Paul does not say. 
He does not say to his readers that you have done nothing deserving of condemnation, for we certainly have. He also does not say that there is no accusation against you, for the devil and our own conscience accuse us. What he does say is that the accusation does not stick. But how can that be? How can there be no condemnation when we all deserve God's condemnation? How can God offer us peace when we have sinned against him and his goodness? The answer is in the final clause of this verse, in Christ Jesus. For this promise is only for those who are in Christ, those united to him. Because if there is no condemnation for those in Christ, then the opposite is also true, and alarmingly so. There is therefore now much condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus. If you are not in Christ Jesus, you may ignore your conscience that condemns you. You may ignore the warnings of Scripture. But remember, the same apostle who holds out this glorious promise in Romans 8.1 also wrote these sobering words a few chapters earlier. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. You may ignore these warnings, but do so at your own peril, for death comes for us all, and after death, the judgment, God's words, not mine. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no future wrath. No wrath then, and no condemnation now. And why not? Look at verse 3 of chapter 8. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Paul, what could the law not do? It couldn't make guilty sinners right with God. But God has done what the law could not do, Paul says. And how did he do it? Verse 3, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Whose sin? Our sin. Whose flesh? Christ's flesh. So you see, the solution to our most dire of predicaments, God's judgment for our sin, is Jesus. God's own Son made flesh. Now in a few weeks, many of us will start decorating our houses for Christmas. It's just around the corner. We'll celebrate Advent season. We'll sing Christmas carols and gather with loved ones and feast. You'll attend Christmas programs, candlelight services, you'll wrap presents, you'll give gifts. And all of this to celebrate that God became man, that he took on flesh so that he might be condemned in that flesh for our sake. Jesus was born to die. You see, the reason that the anvil of God's condemnation has not fallen on your head and will not fall on your head is because it has already fallen on Christ's. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because in our place condemned he stood. Isaiah would write of Jesus, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Those last six words may be the shortest summary of the gospel in scripture. With his wounds, we are healed. Committed to memory. Christ on the cross, a substitute in your place and mine, is the only reason we are free from condemnation. 
For there is simply no condemnation left. Christ has drained the last drop. So how should we respond? How can we respond to this glorious news? First off, if you are not in Christ, be joined to him now. Come to Jesus. Unite yourself to him by faith and repentance. Are you weighed down by guilt and shame of your sin? Come to Jesus. He pursues you to forgive you. He's saying that this morning. He offers rest for your sin-sick soul. And the only fitness that he requires is that you feel your need for him. So come to Jesus. He will not condemn you, for there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Second, remember the compassionate heart of your Lord. If you are united to Christ by faith and repentance, remember that God has not only removed your objective guilt, that is, the future punishment of your sin, he wants his people to experience in the here and now freedom from condemnation. Otherwise, why would he have told us this good news? He wants you to be comforted that you are right now, because of Christ, under no condemnation. Yes, you may still experience consequences for your sin. We saw that this morning in, uh, with David, 2 Samuel 12. But the consequences are for restoration, not punishment. He disciplines those he loves. Remember the pastoral heart of Paul. Remember the compassionate heart of your Lord. He offers you peace within. He aims to comfort you in your weakness. Be drawn in by the tenderness of his heart. The third application is that if you are in Christ and free from condemnation, then you are free to extend grace to others. Do you feel wrongly accused at work? Wrongly accused at school? Wrongly accused in your marriage? Are you treated unjustly by a teacher, a friend, a coworker, a spouse? Since God has set you free from condemnation in Christ Jesus, then you are free from having to defend yourself. No more self-justification is required. You are swimming in the you are swimming in the boundless ocean of God's free grace. So extend that grace to others. A billionaire has no excuse for hanging on to a $100 bill that could change someone else's life. Neither does the Christian have an excuse for hoarding the grace of God. The heart of the Christian ethic is treating people better than they deserve to be treated. And where do we find the strength to do this? By remembering that God in Christ has treated you far better than you deserve. So do the same for others. Sometimes we might think or feel that the promise that there is no condemnation left strains belief. Life is long and hard, and the weight of sin can weary even the most seasoned saint. Though free from the power of sin, we still carry the presence of sin in this flesh. But like Frodo carrying the rain to Mount Mordor for destruction, so too do we carry our sinful flesh toward that celestial city. And one day... Maybe soon for some. But one day we will finish our journey and we will see our Savior face to face. And Jesus will remove that final remnant of sin. And we will stand before his throne dressed in beauty, not our own. We will see him as he is and love him with an unsinning heart. And oh, what a day that will be.
But until that day, let's encourage one another with the words of Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Keep reminding me, and I will keep reminding you. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. And let's echo the words of John Newton to our dying days. Put them on your tombstone. There are two things I know for sure. I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. Because of him, there is no condemnation. Let's pray.